Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you looked after me. I needed a teacher, and you inspired me. I was lost, and you prayed for me. I was addicted, and you helped me break free. I needed a mentor, and you were there for me. Felt alone, and you showed me true community. You helped me experience the joy of worship. You made me feel welcome and safe. You gave me the strength to keep going. You led me to Jesus. Well. I was doing fine until I hear, until I heard the uh, the little girl say, "You led me to Jesus," which is just the, you know, he he's who we need to see today. We need to see Jesus in our heart. We need to encounter Him personally, and God has called every single one of us to not only worship Him and sit at his feet and learn from him but and to be discipled and to be taught by him but then to go and model that relationship to one another that's what it's all about and we want to be more like him at the end of the day let's always make it about Jesus we've come off the back of Easter and uh you know, last weekend, our, our theme around Easter was, it is finished. And uh, even though the season of Easter is over, the message of Easter is eternal. And it's that that gives us great hope. If you've been experiencing something of the, the love, the grace, the life, and the light of Jesus Christ in this service today, it is for no other reason except that we're in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whether you know him or not, whether you know him a great deal or just know about him, God wants you to know he sure does know everything about you. And he'll never stop loving you because our God is love. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And I just want to encourage you uh, with that word of exhortation to keep on loving Jesus right where you are. Stay planted, establish yourself in the house and love people. As Jesus models love to you, as he models grace, mercy, compassion, humility, go and do likewise. I want to begin today by sharing one of the greatest stories of hope, I believe, in the history of the world. 
And it's the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And we're going to pick it up in John chapter 11. And I just need us to get young Josiah Ianotta a microphone because he's going to help me with the, the reading of God's word today. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So uh, let's grab him a mic. Thank you, Josh. Josiah, how old are you? 14. You're 14. And you're in year, is it eight or seven? Eight. Eight. Fantastic. What school do you go to? Grace Christian College. Grace Christian College. Is it a great college? Yes. Amen. You probably can't say much else right now. But uh, I'm going to begin to read, and this is where you come in. I'm excited. Can we give Josiah a hand? So I'm going to read, um, again, one of the greatest stories of all time, uh, when Jesus raises Lazarus. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will arise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one uh, who has come into the world from God. Verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus... She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But as Jesus arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. He told them, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, saying, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and let him go. Boom. That was well read. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josiah. You may be seated, bro. <laughs> uh, the resurrection of Lazarus has always been one of the most fascinating miracles that Jesus performed. As Can you picture this? As a four-day dead and decaying Lazarus is resurrected, proving, church, that nothing is impossible without God. Nothing is impossible. With man, Jesus said, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter White, it was great to, you know, to be talking with you a couple of days ago about your dream regarding the charity for your son 
Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible. And God is making a way. David and Liz, I still have a great sense that there's this great call upon your lives to go even into your neighborhood and win your neighbor. To have a life group, to love on them, even to run programs, programs that are uh, facilitating recovery. Nothing is outside of the realm of possibility with God. Ian, God is doing such a great thing in your life. And I know in some ways, uh, you know, you're newly married and, and in some ways you're hanging on to the coattails of Louisa. Isn't she an energetic lady? But I just want you to know that God wants to do a greater work in you. He wants to do. He's already speaking to you. He, you're already hearing the voice of God. Your next step now is to simply stand up and to step out and to do what God is speaking into you. Brother, nothing is outside of the realm of possibility with God. Nothing. You know, uh, Julie, I just, you know, with what's happening in you creatively and in Jindra with the uh, mosaic making and the classes that you're running, I have a great sense, sis, that you might need to, I don't know, put in some kind of structure because I just think that has the potential to go off and to go crazy and to extend and to go beyond your wildest dreams. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. Hey, Frank. What a great man you are. You know, Frank would testify to what I'm about to say. He's done this himself. Frank, put your hand up, wave your cane or something so we can all see you. But I remember when you first came in and you, you would admit your walls were up, you were bitter, you were jealous, you were quite hateful because of the things that had happened in your history. But as you kept on, as you kept on turning up, Look at you now, brother. You've been water baptized. You're committed to the house of God, getting along to men's. You're a great testimony, my brother, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And I just really think that you need to begin to see yourself uh, in the pages of the Bible. I know that you read about Paul, you read about John, you read about, you know, the Ethiopians and, 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 every, and the great things that, you know, they did. But God wants you to see, to replace their name with your name. To see yourself doing things that you've only ever imagined because nothing is impossible with God. When Jesus arrived at Lazarus's tomb, he was faced with three issues. Number one, the tomb of Lazarus was sealed with a large stone rolled across it. And so clearly no one was getting in and certainly no one was getting out. And sometimes we as a people, we have ourselves rolled stones across the gateway of our hearts where no one is going to get in, and I'm certainly not going to allow the truth to get out. You know that one of the reasons why we don't allow the truth to get out, keeping in mind that Jesus said the truth will set you free, sometimes we think, oh, it's the Word of God that's going to set me free, and yes, and amen, it is. But the Scripture also says that we've got to confess our sins, that's Christianity 101. we got to confess our sins, our brokenness, our pride. 
things that have influenced us even in our own generational history. And some of us have rolled a stone across the gateway of our heart because we don't want anyone to see that side of us. But let me tell you something, you're healing, brother, you're healing, sister. You're healing your new level anointing. The power of the Holy Ghost is on the other side of rolling that stone aside and letting the truth out. Because as long as you roll a stone, you say, isn't it true? You go to any graveyard, it's full of gravestones, full of gravestones. And if you're like me, sometimes I like to take a little bit of a walk and reflect and you see a name or a face. Every gravestone has a name. And every gravestone that we've rolled across the gateway of our heart, every stone, every gravestone has a name. What's the name written on your gravestone? Could it be pride? Could it be self-righteousness? Could it be bitterness? The list goes on. We don't need to go through anymore. But your breakthrough is on the other side of you rolling that stone aside and letting the light in, letting the truth. When you let the truth out, you let the light in. I feel like that's a word for someone here today. Number two, the other thing Jesus was faced with is that Lazarus had been dead four days and now there's like a tangible smell of decay in the air. And number three, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, plus the crowd, were more aware of the presence and the fragrance of death in the air than they were of the one who was in their midst, the Lord Jesus Christ. But still, Jesus tells them in John 11 verse 39, roll the stone aside. You know, this very statement from Jesus alone reveals to us that God is always looking for participators. God, this very statement alone, says that God is always looking for participators and not just spectators. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus could have, by some supernatural means or angelic and visitation, could have just rolled the stone aside himself. He could have spoken a word and the thing could have disappeared. Not a problem in the world. But he doesn't choose that way because he's looking for participators and not spectators. It's also interesting to me that the very people that Jesus asks to roll the stone away are the same people that are not feeling faith-filled, energized by the things of God. In fact, they are fear-filled and faithless. Have you ever felt like that before? If, if I asked that question again and asked you, every hand would be up. We've all felt like that. So you've got to understand, and I feel this is a word for someone, because I can feel like that. Let me tell you, can I be really honest? Coming into this weekend, I probably have not felt more like that. Coming into this weekend, and so you might be saying, well, why are you saying that? Why do you feel that way? Because of everything that I've been stewarding. Everything that I've been just working through. You know, on one hand, there's... You know, I have my own relationship with Jesus and he's working in me to complete Christ in me. And, uh, and there's a whole bunch of other things, personal reasons with my mother and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it feels like a whirlwind. But the good news is God is also in the whirlwind. So again, it's interesting, isn't it? The very people that 
God asks to participate are people who are down. They're grieving, but these are the people that God calls, proving that we can do it and that all things are possible with him. And so for a moment, just for a brief moment, let's look at why Jesus didn't remove the stone and why he asked others to do it. Well, the scripture doesn't clearly say, the passage that we've read doesn't clearly say, but could it be that he had them roll the stone away because they were the ones who put it there in the first place? Could it be? We don't know, but could it be? There's no doubt in my mind, as I've already said, that Jesus could have done it supernaturally uh, himself, But here's something that we all need to remember. God never does for man what man can do for themselves. He won't do for man what man can do for themselves. Having said that, God can also do what man cannot do. But what God is looking for is for us to give God our best and he'll take care of the rest. For example... Just a couple of examples. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, God asks Noah to build an ark. But it's God who brings the animals to the ark, and it's God who fills the ark. But without an ark, God could not have moved. When man moved, God moved. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, God asks Moses to stretch forth his hand over the sea. That was his part, being a participator, but it's God who parted the sea and brings about a great deliverance. And of course, the one that I feel, this is Gateway Word of the Week, which is through every life group. Every life group uh, will, you know, looks at Gateway Word of the Week, whether it's a devotional or it's for the duration of the whole uh, time together uh, as a life group. This is Gateway Word of the Week. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And Paul says, uh, therefore, we also Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is what he says. He says, let us, the people of God, lay aside every weight. You know, a stone has weight, right? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The point that I just know that God wants to make afresh here today is we have a responsibility. God's not looking for spectators. He's looking for participators. When the stone was removed, there was now nothing standing in the way of Lazarus responding to the call of God. And it's only when the barrier is removed does Jesus then call out saying, come. Only when the stone is removed does Jesus then call Lazarus to come forth. And so... For a brief moment, let's look at, this is exciting, all right, this is, this is about, this, is, this passage is talking about you, not the one beside you, it's talking about you, it's talking about me, it's talking about us as a church in the community. It's talking about when people come to church and it's talking about when we are being the church in the community. This is where it gets exciting. Let's look at the results of these Fear-filled, faithless, tired, depressed, grieving people. Let's look at the results. It's in John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Then, six days just before the Passover, Jesus came 
to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus, the one who was dead, was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. Don't you think that is the most amazing story? He went from dying outside of Christ to dining in with Christ. Jesus is also inviting you and I to come to his table to recline and to dine. And you know, our theme for 2021 last year was all about the table. And a table represents, you know what I think a table, when I'm, whenever I'm invited to a table, for me it represents love, hospitality, warmth, community, and fellowship. It's just the best. And so what can we learn from the story of Lazarus? Number one, there is hope, life beyond the stone, because all things are possible with God. Number two, there might be death, decay, and a delay, but it's never too late for God. Remember, Lazarus, it's interesting to me because the number three uh, is very paramount in Scripture. We know that Jesus' resurrection was after three days. And I just know, and in actual fact, the story goes that Jesus chooses to wait one more day. <laughs> four days. It's not just three. It's four. It's like, let's do this really well. Let's wait another day. So again, there might be death to a dream, might be some decay, a delay when it comes to God's hand of blessing, of promise, of deliverance. But God is never late. Number three, God specializes in miracles and making impossibilities possible. Number four, it's our role to roll away the stone. Number five, God won't do for a man what man can do for himself. Number six, God will often require us to do something in faith which opposes how we feel. Remember, uh, you may not, but last Sunday I talked about, sorry, across the Easter weekend I talked about on Good Friday the last seven statements of Jesus upon the cross. And the third last, the third last statement he made was, Father, why have you forsaken me? But then two, two breaths later, my God, my God, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we learnt that even Jesus on the cross rose above what he thought, rose above what he felt, rose above what he wanted, and made it about the will of God. And number seven, we can go from dying outside of Christ. Any one of us can go from being outside of Christ to dining in with Christ and be seated with him, providing we respond to the call. And that's the opportunity that I want to give someone today. Today, I've spoken about how God is looking for participators and not spectators. And the way that we can get our lives right with Jesus is to participate in prayer. Why don't we stand in the presence of God together as we begin to close? This is like a great moment for someone. I just know it.
I just know it. This is like a divine season and appointed time for someone here today. And so from the front to the back, from the left to the right, if you just know that uh, you just want to get your life right with Jesus, and if you just know that you just need your sins forgiven, why don't you pray this prayer after me? I'm going to pray and will invite you to repeat this prayer after me. But the true power of the prayer is what, you know, is belief in your heart. So if that's you, pray after me. Are you ready to pray? Dear Father in heaven, I humble myself and I simply ask, forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge this day that Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior and has been raised from the dead. I open up the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Help me now to be all that you've created me to be in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, that's so powerful. That's a powerful prayer. And so let me pray for you and, uh, and then we'll close our service. And so, Father, thank you for every single person who prayed that prayer today. I believe that it's a new beginning. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that what lies before us is greater now than what lies behind us. And as my wife said earlier, as she prophesied, help us now to seek first the kingdom and acknowledge you in all our ways so that our paths would be straight in Jesus' name. And one last thing I'd like to do. If you prayed that prayer today, um, because you wanted to pray it. You didn't pray for anyone else, but you wanted to pray it. Would you just lift up your hand if you prayed that prayer today? That is wonderful. Look at all the hands. That is wonderful. Just lift up your hand if that's you. That's beautiful. See what that says, that, that's just all about people wanting to renew and uh, their relationship with Jesus. And I just want to say, as we close, that if you'd like to know more about faith in Christ, then please talk to someone here. And this is why we exist. And we're here to pray for you and with you. And so let's close by giving the Lord a hand of thanks. We thank God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.